Good afternoon, I'm Darren Kelly and welcome to this week's edition of The Fair Green. We are joined by a Waterford ladies football legend. Five All-Irelands with the Dacia, ten more Bally McCabry, eight All-Stars and considered the county's most legal forward of the 1990s. We are delighted to welcome Waterford's Anya Wall to The Fair Green. Anya, welcome to The Fair Green. Thanks for having me on, Darren. Now, Anya, we're recording this interview before the uh, Waterford Senior Ladies Football Finals. I'm just going to ask you a quick question on that. We don't know, of course, who's come through between Valley McCabry or Strad Valley, but a lot of good work being done in Waterford Ladies Football at the moment as they try and get back uh, near the level that they would have been at when you were playing back in the 90s. Yeah, there's great work being done. Uh, I mean, I see our, our senior ladies down the field there three and four nights a week training and the intensity of their training is is just it's something to admire actually to be honest with you and uh, there's huge work being done at all the underage levels all the way up along to you know try and get Warford back back to where we were in the glory days hard, hard to hard to get back to where we were but they're back at senior level now look and uh, sure hopefully onwards and upwards now this year as you mentioned, your own club, of course, Stanley Bally McCaffrey, and we'll talk about them in a bit. But last week on the curtain raiser, we had Aileen Wall and Laura Mulcahy, and they talked about the enjoyment as a unit. And even with the lockdown was on, this and that social bond as well. But it's that uh, bond as friends on the fields that has really led to the great run they've had in recent times. Yes, I suppose. Look, I mean, it's like any village, any any country village uh, with a football team. You, you'll be families, you, you'll have families, you'll have cousins. You'll have best friends from primary school coming up along playing the game. And that bond is always there. And I, I see our own um, team from, from back along. We, we have our own uh, group, a WhatsApp group, and, and we're regularly in touch with one another and keep, you know, just, just keeping us self-informed of what's going on. And we still have a bond. Like, you still, you know, you, you meet them and, and it's like you, you, you met them yesterday. Do you know, I mean, it's lifelong friends and, and friendships that you develop uh, when you're very young coming through that club. Same as any club, I'm sure, in Ireland. But in Valamac, we just seem to have something special there. Is it something that people that don't play the game completely underestimate the importance of that bond on the field of play to create a winning team? I know every now and again you might get two teammates that don't particularly get on too well, but as the unit in general, it is very, very important to be kind of uh, as one big bond. Yeah, I suppose it's hard to explain to people. And, and sometimes I suppose I was out of the game for a long time and, and um, sometimes you struggle yourself to, 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 to see what holds it all together. But it, it's a massive it's a massive bond that's there and it's very important. And yes, you'll always have people that don't get on in, in every walk of life. But, but it's important that there's a strong team around uh, those people and, and that it, it comes out in the field, that you come out as a unit and... Um, I, I think any successful club, uh, you'll see that, that there's a very strong unit within that team. And, of course, we were just talking about the club before we move on as well. Of course, you won 10 All-Ireland club titles with Barry McCaffrey as well, and you've mentioned that you're still regularly in touch as well. That, would you consider that to have been the secret of your success at the time that's continued to drive you for more silverware? Uh, yeah, we were very, we were a very close team. Um, I suppose, look, um, Marie Crotty used to train us at underage level while she was playing senior, and we had a great bond with Marie coming through. So a any player that was coming through onto the, onto the team at a younger age, we 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 had close bonds with the older, with the older girls on the team, and we were always made to feel, um, you know, we're always made to feel welcome and and welcomed onto the panel and welcomed into the into the fold. 
And um, so, yeah, we're regularly in touch and uh, we just keep, we, I suppose we follow the follow the fortunes of our children now, to be honest with you. And they're all at that age now. Some of them have gone through the underage. Some more of us, our children are just going through the underage. And, you know, we, we keep in touch that way as well. And of course, going to the underage is exactly where I wanted to go to next, because you mentioned already the importance of developing the skills at underage level. And of course, yourself at the moment, you've been involved with the county under 14s. I got involved with the County Under 14B panel. Um, my daughter is, she's 13, and I, I wanted her to, um, I suppose, look, get to know other people going into secondary school first and foremost, and, and, and as well do. I could see she has potential, and um, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that you need to experience different coaches as you go up along through your, your playing career as a child. Because just because I might teach her something, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything correctly. So I think it's hugely important for kids to experience a, a, a different coach as they go along. So I brought Rachel along to that. And then, of course, when I arrived on, I got roped into helping. So I was delighted. We had over 50 players there every week and just eager to learn, eager to listen, eager to, to just get on and, and develop their skill, develop their game. And um, I see Rachel now, she's gone into secondary school and over uh, over half of that team are, are in school with her. So uh, already they've formed a bond um, and already they're chatting about football in school and can't wait to get back to under 14 again next year. And just, you know, it's it's great to see them developing, great to see them keeping the traditions going along. And how satisfying as a coach as well? I know you're obviously trying to get them to fulfil their potential, but also, most importantly, develop a love for the game too. But when you see, even even Rachel aside, when you see a group of players there that want to learn, they want to get better, they really, really enjoy it, and they'll, they'll do anything you ask. How satisfying is that as a coach? Should look, it's very satisfying. Like I suppose at county level, you expect that the children that are sent you will have a certain level. Um, so you're kind of, I suppose just doing the, the you're supposed to finer detail you're trying to do with them. But going back to my own club level, I'm involved in the under 13 and under 14. And, um, you know, this year to see the difference in them to last year, to, to teach them the kicking, the scoring, the defending. Michelle, Michelle Hopper McGrath, the Washford fullback, one of the, the best players in the, in the, in the game is, is with me this year. And I mean, every game, the satisfaction to see the difference in them from the previous game. It's, I, I love it. I actually love it now at the minute. And, um, you know, take them down the field there last week. And I just said to them, like, you know, sometimes you forget we must teach you the basics. And just going back to the basics there two weeks ago, breaking down the kicking with a few of them, teaching them, you know, to, to kick through the ball and then going to play a game last week and winning the game, scoring 10 points. It was just hugely satisfying. Is senior management something you see in your future? Never. Have you not? <laughs> Said on your wall, never. <laughs> we're, we're, going, we're going to record this segment and keep it separate just in case five years down the time we have to go back and talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you mentioned as well, too, about the importance of a variety of coaches. And, you, you of course, you, you talked about Marie Crotty uh, involved in coaching yourselves earlier on. And, of course, I've no doubt that uh, one person that was very influential in your career and someone you hope Rachel gets to experience at some stage is Michael Ryan. Yeah, I mean, Michael Michael just was in our lives forever. I mean, my, my mother would always have said Michael Ryan, Ryan actually reared us because um, 
we were in the field, it seemed like morning, noon and night, we were back there training and, and trying to improve. And like, he just instilled in us at a very young age, um, just the importance of being honest, I suppose, on the field, the importance of hard work, uh, the importance of, you know, you put in your hard work, you get the rewards back. He, like, he, he just had a, had a massive influence on all of our lives uh, and still does. I mean, I was chatting to him down the field the other night and he's such a busy man. Like, I've asked him a few times, you know, could he could he just take a session with the under-14s? And he's been involved in so many teams and he I passed him the other day and he, sh- oh, and he said, I'll be down Monday night. He said, I'll take a session. Do you know, I mean, like, it's just it's just brilliant. And it's the way he is... He's able to move along with the times. He's able. To, he, he's still going, and he's still as strong as ever. And and, and he's back involved in Bala McCarbery uh, ladies, and um, you know, I, I'd like. I'd love to see him back um, in the Warford ladies setup. I, I think he just has so much to offer. He still has so much to offer. And he brings that passion with it as well. That Laura and uh, Aileen talked about as well last week, which which is again goes back to. Uh, developing the eagerness to learn the enjoyment game and creating the bond among the panel. Absolutely. I mean, he, he he's as, as hungry for the game now as he was back in, in, in 2000, 2000, or sorry, uh, 1991, sorry. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he just loves the game. He just loves everything about the game. He, he loves watching games. That's, that, that's what he does. That's his thing. But he, he was, um, he was just an immense manager. He he had a way of of um, you know, getting you really psyched up to get out in the field and and like you just knew you were going to win. You, like Michael's team talks were were fantastic, and um, he he just had a way of bringing out the best in you. And you know, you'd be nervous before a game, and and you know, he'd look at you and he he'd see you're nervous and he'd say, you know, you're you're nervous. That's fine. It's okay to be nervous. Um. You know, if you're feeling a bit unsure, look around you, see who's playing to your left, see who's playing to your right, look who's in front of you, look who's behind you. And you'd look around and you'd say, this is going to be okay. Like he, he just he just knew the right thing to say at the right time for you. And of course, it all worked well too, because you would have experienced, Michael, if I'm correct, around community games on the 14 level first and then developed onto the Waterford setup where when you got into adult level, the, the dream was trying to not carry out their perch first and foremost. Yeah, I suppose back to community games, it would have been Marie Crotty who who actually was training us at that age, and um, but you know we used to be, Marie used to train us, and then Marie would go along to her own senior training, and you know you'd see her going across, and you'd say, "Geez, someday, like someday, I'll be there. Someday, I'll make it across to that panel." And you know you'd love to see them, you'd love to see them training. But 1986, um, I got the opportunity, and um, I was 15, and. I got the opportunity to um, be a sub on the junior Waterford team that played Wexford in the All Ireland final up in Crow Park, and um, you know Marie was led out. She she scored the first point in Crow Park, and I mean that was huge for all of us younger players to see our coach, um, you know, leading the way. But um, anyway, it was a great day up there, and we had a great victory over Wexford, and that uh, set the season for for the following couple of years. You know, with the Trying to drive on t- on the senior on the senior um, scene and trying to beat Kerry and it was very hard. There was a couple of years there was was very hard and a lot of learning done in in uh, 87, 88, 80, 89. We should have won in 89 the monster final against Kerry and you know like we, we took a lot of heavy defeats before we beat we before we took them on. You know we, as Marie said, you know in 91 we didn't go to play we went to win and 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 we did. 
you know, so it was, it was good. Because that was a legendary Kerry's team at the time. And even in the 80s, I suppose, ladies football was starting to catch some attention at the national stage, nowhere near where it is at the moment. But as you said, they were your target first. And while you were in Crow Park in 86, I suppose you weren't thinking too much uh, that in five years' time you were going to be back there in a senior setup. No, nor would we have said it would have taken us five years to get back there in a senior setup. You know, when, when, we, when we regrouped and started to get very strong in the club scene. Um, and maybe we thought we would have got there sooner, but look, uh, it was sweet when we got there. But uh, I do remember, uh, I do remember in '86, you know, the Kerry team and seeing Mary Jo and God, thinking she was nearly nine foot tall at the time, like she was so immense on the field and as just such a player, like, and they had such a good team. They really had such a good team, and you know, they they really would hold their own. In, in, against any team um, now, with you know, obviously with the proper coaching, nutrition, uh, the way the game has changed, but such was their level of skill that I have no doubt that they'd hold their own against any team. It wasn't too long before you were leaving the mark yourself on you. Um, the first of eight All-Stars came in 1989. You won six in a row before uh, a break in 95. But of course, going back to Kerry, we talked about 89 and 90 being close. Uh, third time lucky, finally arrived in 1991. But you had a very, very interesting preparation for that Munster final. I had, I suppose I probably had the best preparation I could have. I, my sister got married the day before the match. So I hadn't time to be nervous. I hadn't time to think about it. I was more nervous for the wedding and putting on a frock and, uh, you know, but uh, look, it was just, just one of those weekends and um, the wedding went ahead and actually Michelle Ryan, the current water player, well retired now, but Michelle was flower girl for my sister that day. So Michael was at the wedding and, um, but look, it was a great all day and the following day we went down to play Kerry. I thought the match was on in Tralee at three o'clock, but the match actually was on the stall at two o'clock. So <laughs> we, stopped. we stopped for the cup on the way down and it's like, where are we? And oh, the phone call had to be made for home to say to tell mum and dad not to go to Tralee, to go to the stall. So they got half of the phone call. They got half the message. So they arrived with 10 minutes left in the game, but they saw the best 10 minutes, I suppose, you know, and it was a great game. Well, I don't remember a whole lot about the game, but uh, we won. And uh, just, I, I do remember the scenes afterwards. I do remember that feeling of, God, we've done it. We've done it. I can't believe it. Uh, it was fantastic. As much as modern day managers might like to hear, do you feel that maybe the distraction, if dare I say, um, for Francis's wedding helped too with, with nerves on the day because you've been coming so close and while Waterford were a coming team and you would have always felt you would have gotten over the line anyway, that maybe sometimes that release of not having to think too much about the match probably helped with yourself and Michelle and with the panel to get the victory? Well, 100% for, for me anyway, because uh, I, I suffer very badly from nerves. I used to suffer, um, I suppose, maybe not so much in the earlier days. But, um, yeah, so I didn't really have time to think about it. And I, and I can remember um, in the bus on the way up, I remember uh, Bernie and a few of them, and they were very nervous. And I remember saying to them, Lads, don't be nervous at all. We're going to do this today. We're going to win. And um, I just was very relaxed going into the game. And I, I suppose that the wedding did help that. I hadn't time to, to think about the match. And um, but I do remember, I do remember just, just feeling very calm. And, and uh, but we went down, I, I, well, I, uh, we went down early in the game. But look, Katrina Casey, I think, got a goal. And 
we we came back into it and look we we won it and it was that was like an All Ireland in itself uh, just beating Kerry you know but we'd only have the job done at that stage. No, that's exactly it. But you've gotten that monster title as well, and of course, as you said already, you went in to win, and all of a sudden, winning became a habit for pretty much the decade on you. You made it to Crow Park, you made it to the All Ireland final, you got on the field of play, and you left your mark in a five-eight to three-seven victory over Leash. That was a super game. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, you know, as I said, like we'd only have to battle done against Kerry, and you know, I, and I do remember after the, the Kerry game, one or two Kerry footballers, and they said to us, you know, like you have to go on and win it now, and and you know, that that was another pressure, and to 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 get out and and to win that game and to take on this leash team that were knocking on the door against Kerry for the last couple of years, and you know, taking on the formidable Sue Ramsbottom, and hard to stop. So, uh, yeah, look, I, I was, that was my first year playing full forward. I think uh, my two All-Stars previous that had been at, at wing forward. And that year, Michael had moved me in full forward. So I was going, taking on Connie Conway. And uh, that was a, that was a battle. And uh, I remember running onto the field and, and just the enormity of Crow Park, the hugeness of it, um, was just blown away. But look, once the first the whistle was blown and the ball was in, the game was on, and you forget all that. You forget what's around you. You you, you forget the crowds. And um, I'll never forget it. It was just surreal to think that we'd actually finally won an All-Ireland Senior Medal. Yeah, because I was just going to ask you there, like as you mentioned, you were a sub in 86, but you were on the field in 1991. And uh, I can imagine, and for some players in particular, I can imagine the occasion can be massive as well. Like I've never played in Crow Park, but I stood out in the field in the middle of match day twice, one to MC a halftime race and the other to hold the flag in front of 80,000 people. And I felt the nerves out there. But of course, I suppose you get yourself into the mindset as well. When the whistle is thrown in, you just get on with the job in hand. Yeah, you yeah you do. I mean, once the whistle blows, you you see nothing but that football, and uh, you know it's just uh, game on, and and you have to get on with it. Um, it affects people, uh, some people more, I suppose. When like I, I as I said, like I I would have suffered a lot from nerves, but once the ball was thrown in, I was totally focused on the game. I suppose some people weren't so lucky. Maybe maybe the occasion would get to them, um, but I, I enjoyed every trip that we had out in Crow Park. I must say, it's a great venue. You mentioned, of course, um, Sue Ramsbottom earlier on, and yourself and Sue Ramsbottom have still a legacy there. You both scored hat tricks in that match, which I don't think has been achieved by any players since. Yeah, that's nice. No, I, I didn't, I didn't uh, realize that. Um, so look, I mean, you see Sue down at one end of the field, and and like she's scoring goals, and and all you can think is, if the ball comes back up, we need to get a goal. We need to cancel it out. That that was just the mindset. You you had to cancel out what Sue was doing below. So, so that gave you a, an extra determination, you know, that you just had to keep going. You had to fight for it and fight. Michael always taught us you fight till the final whistle. And um, that's what we did. But Sue was, was um, just an amazing player. I used to, I used to love when the, the All-Star Games came around so they get a chance to play with her. Because, you know, you spend a long time looking at these players, but it's superb to actually play alongside them as well. And of course, it's great to see that there's healthy mutual respect as well, which I don't doubt Sue will return to because you were two great players your time. And if anything, that niche team, I won't say unlucky because you still have to get the better of the teams around, but you, they would have felt too, and you mentioned Connie Conway as well, that there was more than one All-Ireland in them. Look, you know, hindsight, you can look back and, and, and I would definitely say that that leash team deserved an awful lot more than what they got. 
hundred percent. And and you know, it, it took them until into was it two thousand and one or maybe before they won their first All Ireland. And that that's hard to credit. It's hard to believe that um, that that's it took them that long to win uh, because it, they really were a superb team. They just um, could never get they could never get over Kerry. And then we came along, and I suppose on the high of beating Kerry, I mean we just. It, we had to go on and win in All Ireland after taking after beating Kerry. Like it would have been a disaster had we not um, gone and won. And of course, not just that you go on to win the All Ireland in '91. You can safely say you were the team of the decade. But of course, when people look back at the overall Waterford Ladies football story of the 1990s, uh, the antagonist in this particular story will, of course, be your rivalry with Monaghan. Yeah. So people speak about the rivalry with Monaghan. Um, so, so look, when we started playing Monaghan first, I suppose we probably had um, All Ireland finals already played against Kerry, trying to get out of Munster, and um, so our our rivalry was always within Munster, within with, against Clare, against Kerry, and we would have had a lot of our training, um, our hard training done, I suppose, earlier in the year for a Munster final, and then you have Monaghan; they didn't have an Ulster final. And um, so they, they never started their, their hard training, I suppose, until summertime leading into an All-Ireland final. So it was always a different uh, mindset when it, when it came. And, and they came with, with, with an intensity, like they, they upped the intensity of, of uh, ladies football games. And they rocked on in 94. And um, only after coming out of the, the, the junior grade or intermediate grade, um, and and there was no doubt in their mind that they were going to win that match. So we, we were very lucky, actually. And Elisa Crotty was superb in goal the same day. And we were very lucky to, to overcome them. So in 95, um, we I suppose we knew what to expect. And, uh, and maybe we had to, to tailor our training um, to, to, to the way that Monaghan's setup was. So I suppose, look, we had to be, we had to peak for a Munster final and I suppose then bring ourselves back down and then try and peak again for an All-Ireland final because we were finding, you know, you'd be very tired towards the end of the year with trying to, trying to peak all year long. And, um, but 95, we, we just, we blew them out of the water. We had a great game in Crow Park. And, and like there was a gale force wind now we were up at half time and there was, there was no coming back but we just were really up for that game um, you know so and then look we met them again in 96 we met them up in Ahabog in, um, in an All-Ireland semi-final and and they, they, they really overcame us that day they, they played well above there and there was no doubt about who the, the victors were on that day they, they played very well and we just we didn't turn up and um, '97, then I suppose was the year of the the year of the clock, the year of the extra time, and um, that was very hard. Now, I, that, of of all the the victories and of all the defeats, that's the one that still stings the most. And um, just you know, and look, it it brought around the introduction of the of the clock in the ladies' football game. And I was just going to ask you that as well. Yeah. Uh, on your side for jumping in because I remember the game too and sure, I think it was 12-13 minutes of added time as well and the clock was probably the legacy that the, the two teams together I suppose uh, left uh, as part of your story together was that the clock became a staple part of uh, future ladies football matches Yeah it did and, and look I, I suppose I, I would have always doubted the clock at the start I didn't know whether it was a good thing or a bad thing but um, it, it probably is uh, the best thing that came in 
in, in ladies football. And it is one of the things that the, the men should look at. Absolutely, 100% they should look at it and take the doubt out of the game that you, you the, the time is the time when the clock, that hooter goes, that game is over. And, and the doubt is taken out of it. Um, you know, it was, it was a good introduction. As you mentioned, too, that 97 stings the most with that defeat. And, of course, uh, I'll go back and ask you another question about 96 in a moment. Uh, your story wouldn't feel complete in one way, dare I say, if you didn't get back and win that one more title against them. And, of course, it might take a replay in 1998, but you did secure that football Ireland. It did. And, look, you talk about the rivalry with us and Monaghan. So that was the end of the rivalry, and we won. <laughs> We won the 98. <laughs> Straight like that. That's it. That's it. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, but look, it was great to come back. I mean, 96 and 97, they were they were hard. And, and I, I suppose we were we were coming to the end, some of us. And, you know, it was nice to, to finish 98 on, on a win, be it that it took a, a replay. But sure, we got two two trots out in Crow Park that year. Um, but it was a lovely way to sign off against Monaghan, ending it in a win. And of course, is that give you your fifth All Ireland as well? And of course, I know we'll be talking about the, the rivalry, and I use the quotation marks this time as well when we're talking. But you did push yourselves to new uh, to new levels, the two teams, and uh, this Waterford team that you would have played on would have been credited an awful lot with bringing ladies football into the 21st century in regards ra- raising the standards uh, from the previous Kerry team that had raised the standards beforehand. Uh, yes, yeah, certainly we did. Um, I mean, we had a great team and, and we played against great teams. So it, it's easy to bring a game uh, to a to next level when you, have, uh, when you have good players. And if your product is good, it'll sell. And, and it is, ladies football is, is a great product. And, and it's, good to watch. it's nice to watch. And I think that the pickup off the ground, it makes it a faster game. And it's something that the men sh- certainly should look at. Like, I mean, it's, it's less fouling. Uh, it's more free-flowing game, and um, yeah, certainly, certainly, Waterford and Monaghan and Mayo uh, really took the game to the next level. I'm going to ask you about Mayo in a moment. There's a couple of quick questions about Monaghan. Of course, we mentioned the 1996 semi-final. Uh, the stories of that game, of course, especially on the Monaghan side of things, uh, massive for their own development too. It's just a pity, I suppose, now we can see the games are being streamed so much. It's been a welcome addition during uh, the COVID-19 lockdown as well. It's just a pity that we struggled to get footage of that particular Ireland semi-final. Yeah, I mean it was a good game, um, and and yeah, I see see that the streaming now is fantastic. It's the one good thing to come from COVID, like that you're you're sitting in your sitting room and you're watching ladies football matches from all over the country, and and it it is it is super. And um, yeah, there's a lot of um, you know they would be looking at doing Laker Grails over the years, but you you can't do one on on the Waterfords, the Kerrys, because we don't they don't have the the footage, they don't have the games, and um, so. Which which is which is a pity. Like I mean, they do have people had video cameras at the matches, but the quality wouldn't be great. So it is a pity that a lot of a lot of really good matches um, aren't there uh, on film. And of course, we're 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 talking as well, and uh, even the stream as well that. Uh, TG Carr celebrating 20 years of ladies football coverage too that it is great now that we are going to get footage of a lot of those inter-county games from television alone let alone what's been developed now through uh, new videographers uh, streaming those games No it's super it's great like I mean a- a- any coverage is good coverage uh, I see even uh, last Sunday morning there was an under 12 game streamed um, you know so I mean to, to even go on and watch the underage games. You know, I see the young players coming through. It's, it's fantastic. 
And um, I hope I hope it stays. I hope all this streaming stays because you you see so much more because it is an effort to to um to get yourself out the door and get the kids out the door to go watching a game and sometimes they don't want to go watching. So I mean, if you can sit down, you're sitting room and watch watch all club games and county games. It's 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 fantastic. And of course, as well, it'll also encourage the children to when they see these young players, these role models performing, which is something that a lot of young uh, girls wouldn't have had that opportunity as much back in September over the last couple of over say a few a few years back. Yeah, but sure, a, a lot of people all they see is an All Ireland final, so you're missing all the great games before that All Ireland final. So you know, I mean, if you can see league finals, league semi-finals, uh, monster finals. I mean, anything that you can see, it is great for kids to, you know, to, to, I mean, you know, all the forwards get all the accolades, but to see a good corner back in action or, you know, to learn how to play their position in the game better. And, you know, to, I think it, it's wonderful. A, a, any any streaming that they show, it's wonderful for the kids now. Very, very welcome addition and hopefully it will continue. Anya, the clock is getting the better of us, so I just have three or four more questions there before we finish up this segment. And, of course, I can't leave... Uh, Monaghan Welsh, uh, Monaghan Kerry Link, of course. Um, you were, you'd won the Monster title in 91. 1992 was one of your first experiences of Monaghan in a quarter final in the league. I believe you suffered a broken wrist that day, but that wasn't going to stop you playing in the Monster final. No, I went into block down a ball, so it was a pure accident, and uh, I just I ended up getting a kick in my wrist, and yeah, I broke, broke my hand. I knew straight away the wrist, it was gone. And um, such a disappointment. And Jermoni and myself took off to the Port Leash Hospital and I suppose it was pre-phone. So nobody knew until we came back with my hand in a plaster up to my elbow that the, the, the seriousness of it and, and um, officially disappointed uh, at the thought that five weeks later I was going to miss out on a, on, on a chance to beat Kerry for the second time. And um, so look, four weeks in, I suppose the cast started to, to get quite loose in my hand and I, I tied with the idea, I rang Bernie Ryan, the captain, and I, I was telling her that I was thinking of maybe removing the cast and um, from, you know, maybe Bernie said maybe it wouldn't be such a good idea, but I had the idea in my head and I suppose nothing was going to, to change my mind. So my dad and myself and a, a bucket of ice and water and a scissors, we had at it and my mother walked into the room and looked at us and turned and walked out and we said we're in trouble now but she came back in with a sharper scissors so she was on board with it as well and look the cast came off and um, we bandaged up the hand and we got a tight tight pair of gloves and we managed to, to play the game and the same night it lashed rain and the game could easily have been called off but it went ahead and, and, and we came through it um, it was, it was a, a very wet affair in Dungarvan for her field because what I find remarkable about that on you as well is that not just that you get get to play the match and you, and you, of course you beat Kerry and went on to win the All Ireland. I know how difficult it is when you take a cast off the sudden weight change of a cast being on you, but you went out on the field the play and scored four points. Yes, yeah, so as I as I mentioned, I, I I strapped it very tightly and we we bought a new pair of gloves that were probably a size too small, so it it was really tight on the wrist and um look I, I mean. I was going playing and that was that, whether it was hanging down by my side, uh, I was going to play. But, you know, it, it was, and I never suffered any any consequence of my wrist afterwards. So it was well healed, just in case anybody thinks of doing something similar. My hand was fine. We've been giving people ideas about alternative ways of preparing for matches during this yeah. podcast so far. 
we're saying proceed with caution if you if you decide to do a bit of amateur medicine at home or attend weddings before matches. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, before we finish up this segment, of course, I have to all good things must come to an end regards to the story of Waterford's run in the 1990s against what was a very up-and-coming Mayo team, and even last week we were watching a lot of them still struggling their stuff in Carnacon's 21st uh, Cup title in a row. It was a game that one or two breaks earlier on. It could have led to a 6 all Ireland title, but alas, it was not to be. And from there on in, what that Waterford's uh, glorious one would come to an end. Yeah, it was just not to be. And, you know, I, I often think about that match and even the lead-up to that match, Monaghan, or Mayo, sorry, um, coming down, had a sing-song on the bus. And they were on the radio. They rang into a radio show. I remember we were listening to it coming up from Waterford. And... That, that they were so relaxed coming down into that game. They were like ourselves. They just reminded us so much of ourselves. They were so relaxed. And they approached that game uh, with just, with nothing to lose. We're just going to go out and, and, and do our best. And they played great the same day. But um, I suppose that was the end of my playing career, really. Um, we had, um, a few months previous, we had played in, um, it was an all-star game up in, Monaghan and I had gone in on the actually it was probably interprovincial sorry and I had gone in on on the goalie in a tackle and and I came out the worst of it and I had I had very bruised ribs and I suppose in my head I had gone in on the Mayo goalie early in that All Ireland final and I don't know did I jib the challenge did I not go in strong enough and I, I possibly I could have got a goal or two earlier on and I suppose in the back of my head I I knew that was nearing the end for me. That that uh, I I was after getting nervous of myself and and um, but not taking away from me or that that was a super performance and they deserved to win it. And of course, it was the catalyst for a certain young player. I know she was injured in that particular game called Cora Staunton. Before we finish this segment, Keena Foley did the top fifty ladies football players in history recently and named yourself along with Mary Jo Curran, who you've talked about already, and Cora Staunton as the best three players ever to play the game. And uh, the two partners, how does that make you feel? First, in regards when you reflect on your own career, and secondly, we you've mentioned Mary Jo already. When you when you when you Look, it's been part of a steam company in Mary Jo and Cora Staunton and your thoughts in particular in them. Um, yeah, sure. Look, I mean, I'm honoured to, to have been selected. Um, it's a great honour. And, and, you know, like when you're playing, everything is a team event and it, it's you, you need a team around you for, for you to, to get all these accolades. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like the forwards will always get the accolade, but the corner back, that that defends the goal and stops the goal doesn't probably get as much recognition as what the person that that's putting the ball in the back of the net. And so, w- would I have been the best actual footballer? Maybe not. Would I have been probably one of the better goal getters, point getters? Yes, maybe. So, you know, to put things into perspective, like anybody that's in that top fifty, um, I, I mean, it is a, a superb honour. But Mary Jo and Cora, like. I mean, Mary Jo led the way all the way through the 80s and, and, and the early 90s. Um, she was just a colossal of a player. As I said, like, she, you know, when I was younger and I'd see her, she looked late, she was nine foot tall, like, there was no getting near her. I mean, she was just, she seemed to be everywhere on the field. And if you didn't get the better of Mary Jo, then you had her, her sister, Phil, who was playing centre-back on that Kerry team. And 
you know, when you were finished with the two of them, like um, they were, they were just they were great players. Mary Jo was was immense, and and Cora like has just taken the game to all new levels and has gone to Australia and came back from a double leg break. It's just amazing. Like she's just such a strong character that that she's um, able to to keep going year on year and 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 all the time just she just she sees nothing but the goals like when she gets the ball I mean you watch her on the on let's see the telly now and just watch her like all she sees is goal and and it's so hard to stop her she is definitely a player that left her mark and took over for the noughties as well and Mary Jo a wonderful pioneer for the game but on your wall you were definitely the leading light in the 1990s with a glorious water team as you've mentioned already you couldn't have done it without support Thanks a million for joining us here on the Fair Green. Now, of course, we're not letting you go for a couple of moments, uh, but as we finish up this segment, of course, it's the moment all the players really look forward to, and that's when they have to name your fantastic four. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to name the two best players you've played with that can be club or county or whatever criteria you deem fit, and then the best two players that you've played against. So, Anya, I'm going to start off with the uh, players you played with. So I'll ask you now for the first player that you played with and why. Yeah, so this is a very hard segment because you could name easily name 20 or 30 people that down through the years that you've played with and played against. Um, so I put a lot of a, a lot of thought into this, but I mean, from from the the time that you asked me to write now, the same two names um, just are in my head. And so my my first player um, is Katrina Casey, and uh, Katrina played wing forward on 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 the Waterford team all through actually from 1986 I think I think she played in the same position in every All-Ireland um, that we played in um, I think she, she was wing forward for every, for, on, on every team but Katrina could kick left and right and, and she just um, she's a beautiful person she just is a lady on and off the field and um, great role model um, a great person to to um, to listen and and maybe come up with a solution in in it you know you might be trying to iron out a few problems of training and and trying to get positions right and and tactics right and Katrina was just um, she was a powerhouse all the way through the nineties and 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 definitely one um, that was omitted from Cleaners top fifty Katrina Casey would be up there in my top ten of all time greats. And she was, she was like a wonderful player as well, as you mentioned, the skill on both sides as well and the driving force behind that Waterford team. Katrina Casey is your first pick, Anya, your second pick of the players you played with and why? So my second pick then is Marie Crotty. Um, Marie Marie trained us, at, as I said already, at the underage um, community games level. And she she just was our idol when we were growing up. You know, you all have you, you everybody has an idol. But Marie Crotty was our idol, even though Marie was only a year or two older than us. Um, but she she was fantastic. She 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 trained us for a few years and she taught us everything we know about football before we went on to Michael. She taught us the basics. And Marie then going on to Crow Park in eighty six you know, to score the first point in, in Crow Park. Uh, Katrina Casey actually I think was the first lady to score a goal in Crow Park so my my, my two picks are, have, have history made um, but Marie was a leader on and off the field and she led us she led us to victories on the field and she led us into trouble off the field uh, 
<laughs> she loved that. Um, but uh, again, a superb footballer, superb heart. Um, like would have just taken on, take, took on that Kerry team in 91. And, and as she said, like we went down to win. We didn't go to play a game. We went down to win. And that's the way she led the team that down there that day. And, and she was just, Marie was immense all the way through and, and still is, still, still is um, very much involved in ladies football. And um, she's a very strong person. And, and she, she, yeah, I mean, Marie was brilliant to play with and play alongside. I was just going to say uh, she was the original role model, especially for yourselves in Waterford. Until until you mentioned about straining out of trouble off the field, we could only do another podcast just to tease out that story. We could, but we won't. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm marking that. I'm oh, yeah, marking that down with you. I'm never going to do senior management thing. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, on your on your fantastic four, we have Katrina Casey and we have Marie Crotty. It's time now for the two best players you've played against, and Anya, the first player that you've played against, and why? So, I, look, the first player is Mary Jo Corn. Um, I mean, Mary Jo was like like Marie Crotty was just an idol and uh, growing up, just somebody you wanted to be like, somebody you wanted to play like. Um, just was. I mean, it's just such a pity that, that the games aren't there to see, that people could see the style of play that she had. Like, Mary Jo was like watching somebody play in slow motion. She just seemed to have so much time on the ball. She just, she was like poetry in motion. It was unreal to watch her playing on the field and, and break your heart, 87, 88, 89, just breaking our hearts every time you think you have the better of her. You never had the better of her. Never. She was a superb player, super, again, superb role model, and uh, just a joy to see on the field. And she brings that as well. She was involved with one of the clubs in the Kerry Senior Championship this year, and she joined us uh, previewing the Kerry Championship. And even we know ourselves now, we have to make sure we get her onto the fairing as soon as possible. So it's Katrina Casey, it's Marie Crotty, it's Mary Jo Kern. Anya, it's time for your final pick on the Fantastic Four, the second player you played against. And why? Again, I, I, somebody I've previously mentioned on this interview is uh, Sue Ramsbottom. Um, you know, just just watching her at the other end of the field and watching what she was able to do. Um, she she was such a powerhouse. I mean, and like I said, every time Sue got a goal, you just knew you had to get one back, and you just you know she she drove you to to play better yourself. Um, and like that, I just love when I came around to um, the All-Star team and getting on a team with Sue and being able to play with her. Um, and, you know, and she had a left left leg like and she was always so hard to mark her. I said, well, that's given out. Why didn't she hit with the right leg? You know, she just had a beautiful left leg, the way she was to swing that ball, put the ball over the bar or the back of the net. And just, just a great player, a superb player and one that I, I, I really used to love watching playing. And it's a, it's it's not just a superb player in Sue Ramsbottom, it's a superb four players that you've put together as well. Just looking down my list at them again. On your walls, fantastic four is Katrina Casey, Marie Crotty, Mary Jo Kern and Sue Ramsbottom. Anya, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. I hope it's the first of many uh, that we do have over, over various time. Thanks a million for joining us here on the Fair Green. Thanks for having me, Darren. It was, it was a pleasure. And that's it for this edition of the Fair Green. Our team song National Duality comes from Joseph McDade and you can hear more from him on josephmcdade.com slash music. We'll be back with the third half on Tuesday where we look back at county finals in Galway, Tipperary and Waterford. 
I'd like to thank our special guest again, Waterbirds On Your Wall. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'm Darren Kelly, and this was The Fair Green. Fair Green.